Hey everybody, Clint Locked On Bulldogs. Today's episode, we are interviewing Alan Judd of the AJC about the allegations of Georgia football players and the cultural problems that are perceived by some in the media. I do want to tell you, however, that the Locked On Bulldogs, while we are talking about mature things like abuse and domestic violence and violence against women, uh, that we will always stand with victims and those who are, have been and are abused. If you find yourself in that situation, I want to encourage you, if you or somebody you know find yourself in an abuse situation, if somebody's taking advantage of you, please call 1-800-656-HOPE. That's 1-800-656-HOPE. We stand with victims and we want due process to find justice for those who have been mistreated and abused by others in the world. Uh, please enjoy the interview we have with Alan Judd, Locked On Bulldogs. Uh, stands firmly with those who are victims, and we want to help bring uh, more understanding and more uh, light to a complex issue, but do it fairly and justly all at the same time. Next on Locked On Bulldogs. Welcome, everybody. This is Locked On Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, and we are excited to welcome Alan Judd onto the podcast, Locked On Bulldogs, today. We're going to ask him the cultural issues happening at UGA, uh, the allegations, and a little bit about his article that he wrote this last month. Stay tuned next on Locked On Bulldogs. You are Locked On Bulldogs, your daily podcast on the Georgia Bulldogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everybody. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel.com. Make every moment more. More about them in a moment. But I do want to welcome on the podcast a very special guest, Alan Judd of the AJC. Alan, how are you doing today, sir? Doing great, thanks. Good. Glad to have you with us. Uh, if you're a Bulldog fan, you may have been following along. The AJC has written a couple of articles recently. Most recently, Alan, um, I'm sure you've had other articles before or after this, uh, but on uh, June 22nd or 27th, you published an article, UGA football program rallies around when players accused of abusing women. We're going to talk about that a little bit today, ask some questions, get some behind the scenes. Some more uh, things have come out since then. Uh, and so just want to first start kind of set the stage for folk. Um, Alan, what do you do at the AJC? What's your kind of purview, your niche? What do you do reporting over there for the AJC? Uh, I'm, an, I'm an investigative reporter on our, our investigative team. I don't normally cover sports. Um, this has been something that's come up in the last few months because of some of the issues going on at UGA. Obviously, UGA and especially the football team, are, are they're both really huge institutions in the state of Georgia. And, you know, as for, as for that reason, it's, you know, kind of fallen to me and some of my colleagues in our group to look a little deeper into some of the issues that the that our normal beat writers covering um, Georgia football and other Georgia athletics don't have the the time to do. They still have to cover the games and the, the off season and you know the recruiting and all the other stuff that they normally do. Yep, that's great. So, investigating reporting for the AJC, and I think uh, when that report came out, let's uh, let's set that parameter out specifically the one. And like I said, I'm sure there's been others that have been written since, but. Uh, the one that's titled UGA football program rallies around when players accused of abusing women. And just wanted to get a, a clarity, 
clarification, uh, writing this piece and doing this investigation, uh, what's the hope from the AJC and you specifically, Alan? What, what do you want to see happen? What's the hope from, from writing this article? I mean, we don't really have an, an agenda for that, you know, in, in that sense. But I mean, it's, it's really trying to just get the truth out about what happened, what's happening with that program. Obviously, they have hit a level of success that's never been seen at UGA before and never seen really, you know, much of any school before. Um, and, but, you know, along with that, there are questions that come up about, you know, what, 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 what's happening in the on, off the field, you know, and that's really been a question that's come up a, a lot since January, since the, uh, the car crash that killed, killed Devin Bullock and, and Chandler LaCroix. So that seemed to open a window onto some, some off field behavior by some players that, that is uh, kind of questionable. And then, then you have the question, well, what's, what's the team, what's the coaches, what's the university doing in response to that? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the, the, Great question. And yeah, that Devin Willick and, and what happened with that car accident with Chandler, unfortunate circumstance, wish we had more time. You may have written and helped with that, but there are other articles out there on that. So mm -hmm. we'll keep that one off to the side. We'll focus on this one and the, <clears throat> the allegation of the treatment of women. And there were three things as I read through the article. I think there's three things we wanted to break down. Uh, one of the examples you gave was Adam Anderson. Mm -hmm. and so Adam Anderson was on the team. Uh, allegations came about uh, and he was uh, promptly not allowed to play football at UGA once those allegations right. came out. So let's start there with Adam. Um, what what about Adam's specific story includes in this headline of rallying around him? What was it that your investigation led and said, hey, we need to uh, kind of expose maybe some of these cultural issues with Adam Anderson specifically in his case? Well, as soon as the uh, police began investigating this, that were very shortly after they began investigating investigating it, they notified a gentleman named Bryant Gant, who is, whose title is Director of Player Support, I believe, for the team, um, who, who gets involved when players have law enforcement issues or court dates or other things of that nature. And he uh, participated in gathering witnesses um, to help the police. Um, one of those witnesses apparently stopped talking once they, they all sat down together because Gant's in the room when he's being interviewed by the detective and, uh, you know, which may influence his, uh, what he says about a teammate. Um, and then Gant uh, also went to court as a character witness for Anderson um, and, um, when he was up trying to get out on bond. A number of players, I think it was eight players, were uh, allowed to come to practice late. Apparently, an agreement between Anderson's defense lawyer and um, and Coach Smart, allowing them to go to court, stand up, identify themselves, and their affiliation with the team, uh, trying to trying to help him get get bond. <clears throat> All of this while the the alleged victim in this case was an employee of the football program was a student part-time employee who knew all of these players who know, knew Coach Gant, knew Coach Smart, knows everybody. Um, and, you know, they, they chose to support their teammate over this this person who said, who was, you know, alleging that he raped her. 
Yeah, yeah, and I guess that's a, a bunch of our listeners, a bunch of UGA, want to just ask the question, um, what's the worst case scenario about uh, due process with Adam Anderson? Every single person that goes in for bail has a hearing that is character witness. You can call anybody in the world to come to the character witness for that. Uh, and maybe he asked them, maybe he didn't, maybe it was getting, but what's the, what's the downfall to uh, people rallying around those who have not been convicted of a crime, been accused of a crime, being a character witness. What what's the downside to that? In terms of the individuals, I don't know that there is, but in terms of the institution, the institution has a has a responsibility to both the both both parties. They're both students um, at, the, at at UGA. Um, they 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 are actually federal law prevents a university from taking a stand for. For, a, for an accused student over the accuser in a situation like that. Um, you know, you can argue that this was all done on an individual basis, that they didn't have, there was no coordination. But in fact, uh, Anderson's lawyer is a very reputable criminal defense lawyer from Atlanta, stood up in court and said, pursuant to my promise to Coach Smart, I'm going to get them back to practice on time. Um, and he, he worked, had worked it out through the, this, the university's general counsel plus Gantz involvement. So there, there did appear to be an institutional position being, being taken there that favored the, um, the accused over the, the, the woman who said she was raped by, by Henderson. Yeah, and, and that's maybe the big question is uh, favored or, or, or not. Maybe she did ask for character witnesses on her behalf and maybe they declined. Um, and the, you know, I, I was playing college football and I got asked to do a wedding and I went to my head coach and I said, hey, can I, I, I need to do this wedding, maybe best man. He, he excused that. That wasn't him partaking in the wedding itself. He had no clue who those right. people were. That was an agreement there. And so maybe I, I suppose that cultural issue of fellow teammates, fellow friends standing up for one another and not maybe uh, going if she asked, that, that could have been great. And, and, and until there is conviction, until something plays out, until the day in court is there, it, it does seem that there is impropriety because there wasn't a push from Kirby Smart or anybody in the institution to say, hey, what do you guys want to do? It's been well noted. The football players have that freedom to do what they do. Uh, and so I think one of the things that, that from the Adam Anderson thing is he was not allowed to play anymore on the team. Right. That's not that's not being favoritism to him. That's actually being very, very before a conviction comes out, before a day in court happens. And so uh, some might argue that favoritism was in her favor to say he can no longer play football here with the team, regardless of what happens in the court. That's no longer. Yeah, I think that's a hard, hard one because she, the players uh, knew who she was and they began and she got harassed a great deal on campus. Uh, she had to quit her job because she didn't feel, feel safe there any longer. She was essentially outed to the whole, to the larger university community. Um, and, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's hard, hard to say that she received any kind of favor, favor, favorable treatment during this time at all. Yeah, no, I, I, I think the, the treatment of whatever happened on that, again, from her decision to do what she was going to do, I'm talking specifically of the cultural issues, issues within the football program and Kirby Smart saying Adam Anderson was without a conviction just an allegation removed from the football team. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's not playing favorites to him, is I suppose what I'm trying to say, regardless of, of outside of that. One of the accusations is to say, hey, he received favoritism from the coaching uh, and from the program and say, well, he was removed from the football team, uh, maybe not been favored. And, and again, with her, that's something that we don't know a great deal about, try to respect that woman. 
And when mm -hmm. she does, we, we have no insight to that. Uh, right. We're going to come back after this, ask Alan Judd a few more questions about the article that we're talking about. But first, these messages. And these messages are brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports book of Locked On Podcasts and Locked On Bulldogs. FanDuel.com slash Locked On. You can get over there right now. FanDuel.com slash Locked On. And if you're a first-time user, first-time guest, deposit your money. If you make a bet and your first bet does not cash, you can go ahead and get $1,000 into bonus bets right back at you. Make every moment more with FanDuel.com. Right now, you can get on baseball. You can get on futures for football, all the SEC, the championship, all of these things that are coming to fall. Hey, you might even get on, on some little early action uh, MVP uh, voting. Again, as those odds are still out there, it's not early action. It's before the All-Star break. But go ahead and get Ronald Acuna. It's fantastic over there. <laughs> FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel.com slash locked on. We are back with Alan Judd, AJC. Uh, and talking about the article entitled UGA football program rallies when players accused of abusing women. We talked about the Adam Anderson thing. Let's go to the other gentleman that was named. Uh, and that is Jarrett. He was uh, commented on as, as an investigation goes that on a recruiting trip, he met up with a woman, uh, had relationships with this woman as well as underage drinking. Uh, since your article has come out, Alan, there's been a number of text messages that have been made public as well as some police investigation notes made public uh, from that time in which the, the woman herself has said she did not accuse him of any wrongdoing. Rather, there was an element of what happened, their interaction, the use of a video film that was not her liking. Other than that, there was none. Um, so, Alan, I just want to quickly, your, your story came out before those came out. Is there anything that you would want to change about your story? No, the stuff you're saying that came out was always part of the record. We saw everything involved in this police investigation, not just the summary that a detective wrote. We saw, we, we, we obtained from the police the full uh, video interviews they did with, with Jamal Jarrett and with the victim, several hours of, of video. Uh, which was not not included in the report that you're you're talking about. The detective in that case wrote a, wrote a final report that seemed to be um, very incomplete. He did not include her 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 rather detailed descriptions of the force that he used against her that she says he she used. Uh, the, 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 he didn't include the way the way many ways that she said no and tried to stop him. Instead, he gave a very different report, claiming that's what she said. Um, but when you saw, when you see the video of what she said to the detective, it's a different story. So um, that that summary that from him is is pretty questionable. And to to say that that's somehow the final word is just just inaccurate. Yeah. Then maybe then maybe the question is why didn't you include those things in your story? They're, they're in the rel they just weren't relevant and what she said to him she was after after the fact she was trying to be nice to him trying not to, not to irritate him because she didn't want him to publish the videos um you know rape victims uh frequently say you know stay in contact with their accusers it's not that uncommon you look at high profile cases from you know bill cosby to harvey weinstein you'll, you'll see that because women are afraid of what the men will do if they if they antagonize them. You know, I interviewed a number of experts about this, and it was not at all surprising. Um, 
you know, she did say no. She did say there was a crime. She said that he forced her to commit to perform oral sex uh, against her will. She also said she did some of it consensually and then it got out of hand, basically. Um, so, you know, it was it was it was a nuanced situation. The police report took out all the nuance and just, you know, they clearly weren't going to charge the kid uh, from the start. You know, the detective we saw on, on the video when he interviewed him said, I'm here looking out for you. Um, and he talked about my beloved bulldogs. So there seemed to be a, an assumption from the start that that he didn't believe it. Or he yeah. didn't want to believe it. Yeah, and maybe the, the two questions. Before he ever talked to the victim. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I hear that. And I guess the nuanced approach you're saying, I guess one of the things, as I read your article, Alan, one of the things that came across is that there was no nuance in what you were writing. Um, and I agree, it is nuanced. It is it is complex. And that's, I think, what's kind of frustrating for some of us as we read things is the black and whiteness, this, you know, rallies around when players are accused of abusing women. Yeah, there there is a sense of community and there is a sense of, ambiguity with a lot of this. And, and I don't pretend to be an expert on any of this whatsoever, but I do know that finding out due process and going through proper channels and, and advocating for victims is good. But I also know there is a lot of nuance. And I guess, I guess my statement is when I read your article, there was none of that nuance that I got later. Now I'm not, I'm not willing to say anything definitively, but I am willing to say, man, I need to take a step back and, and you said earlier the hope was to bring truth to this. And, and I suppose to me, when you say it wasn't relevant, those pieces that you didn't include weren't relevant, I would argue those are insanely relevant to make a nuanced conclusion uh, based upon a very complex issue. And, and the not including them to me seems to be hiding another side of the fact instead of just presenting all the things and then making being able to trust readers and trust people to come to conclusions. I guess that's what's a little frustrating for me as I hear you talk when we want truth to come out, I, I agree. But the, the exclusion of the text message from her, the exclusion of later police reports. And even to your point, when he says, my beloved Bulldogs, I'm looking out for you. I, I've, I have a bunch of police buddies and one of their things they do is to try to make rapport with an accuser to make them feel maybe the accuser can tell me things because he thinks I'm on his side. And that's a police tactic that is used constantly. And that could be another angle. And so I, I suppose in all of this, I, I do want all the facts. I do want all the information. I want to be able to understand it completely. And it feels like without, since you had the information and you didn't report on that information, it seems lacking to me, at least on that regard. There was a lot, there was a lot in there. We saw a thousand pages of his text messages. I could not possibly publish all that in one story, obviously. Um, some of them were with her. He was also, at the same time he was out the same night, he was trying to hook up with two other women um, that he didn't, that he, that, who, who basically told him no. Um, you know, he was out till three in the morning with, with players at a bar downtown, um, you know, drinking by his own acknowledgement. Prior to, to the weekend that they met, you know, we talked about in the story, you know, she had seen him at the, at the 20, um, you know, the championship celebration after for the 2021 season in January 2022 and basically had had, you know, kind of found him on social media and struck up a friendship. And, you know, he was sending her messages saying there was going to, you know, basically he wanted oral sex when they got together. And she kind of, you know, laughed about it and you know, didn't probably say no to that up front. 
maybe as much as she could have. She didn't shut it down to start. And then when they got together, she did have sex with him immediately, uh, you know, which the story says. And then it got, you know, got out of hand when he came back after being out with the players uh, on, out on in the, some of the bars downtown, or at least one of the bars downtown. Um, you know, the 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 elements of what happened afterwards, she did want to press charges, despite what the detective said. I mean, she said it very clearly. She said, I do, she said something to the effect of, I don't want to ruin his life, but I also don't want this to happen to somebody else. You know, I mean, that's, it's, she saw, saw him as a threat to other women, um, whether that's, you know, a valid way to look at it or not. That's, you know, we'll guess we'll see over time. You know, I, I will say Jarrett went on to kind of get, get into his own little controversy you know, during the NFL draft when he was live streaming himself watching uh, the draft and made some racist anti-Asian comments uh, that he had to apologize for. So, you know, there, there seems to be a, a lack of maturity there to the very least. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there there does seem to be, again, like I'm saying, more to the story. And, and I think... Alan, one of the things as I was reading your story, I uh, commented on this woman getting a hotel room, having a relationship with him beforehand, having this communication. There was a rapport beforehand in her statement of I don't want this to happen to any other woman. Uh, again, without her saying, I do want to press charges. And, and we know Athens PD will press charges on anybody for any time. We have a litany list of UGA players that have been brought up on charges for anything, anytime. And that side of the story is heavy laden that has been proven time and time again. Now, and I would argue with you that actually there are plenty of cases where they don't file charges. We've seen tons of those, especially in domestic violence cases. Um, yeah, and, and that's I, filing charges or not. My point being, if a woman says, I don't want this to happen to anybody else, without her definitive statement, I don't want somebody raped like I was, without that statement being full. And again, I'm not- Well, in the context, you have to also see the context. She's She is talking to a detective about her sexual assault what she says was a sexual assault. I don't want that to happen to anybody else. I think that's a pretty clear statement that what she's talking about. Yeah, and, and Alan, I guess the, the pushback would be that's that's clear for somebody writing a report, but not clear for courts and not clear for police. So you can say it's pretty clear. And what I'm trying to say, what I'm what I'm pushing back against is I mm. I am I can't reserve I have to reserve judgment until the due process is done in entirety and taking this woman seriously her credibility seriously mm -hmm. is of the utmost importance i suppose that to say if she wants charges pressed she will get charges pressed uh, that that is that is an unfathomable that's just not true she she wanted to have him charged and the detective said no the detective did not consult with the district attorney's office which is the typical typical way of doing it he closed the case on his own he can this case be reopened at any time? No. no. This that, case can't be reopened at no, any time. I mean, you can't have double jeopardy on the same same case. Well, double jeopardy is when you're brought up on yeah. charges. He was never brought yeah. up on charges. Yeah. No, I don't believe it. I don't believe it will be reopened. But but I just want to again. I want to press. It can be. Okay. Right. And, and, and again, I, wanna, I don't know. I'm not a legal expert. On well, that's that, what I, I I suppose, yeah. Alan. That's my that's my point in this conversation is I to say. Is to say it's not double jeopardy he hasn't been charged with anything so sure. it can be reopened mm -hmm. anytime so if from any report or if she would like to she can walk right back in and clarify her statement that happens all the time in police reports as you know i will tell you that that if you if you watch the video there was no lack of clarity the, the detective's report that we that he wrote after that interview 
is where there's if there's any lack of clarity, it's in his his summary of it, not from what she said. I mean, we have it. I can't show it to you because we've agreed not not to make her identity public because that's typically the way we hand handle women who say they've been sexually assaulted. We we you know as a society we don't usually identify them without their consent. Not just us, but anybody in general, any media. But if you saw it, you would have a very different different view of what, of the case from what that detective wrote in that kind of kind of brief report that he did after after the fact. Yeah did did she ask you specifically not to release her identity? Yes, we made we talked about it. She she considered it, and I will tell you the reason that she finally said no, since she didn't want to do it, was she knew she would be harassed by by Bulldogs fans, and having been harassed myself for the last several days in a way that it would be nothing compared to what she would have received. I understand that. And I respect that. Certainly. I'm, I'm glad that you asked her. I'm glad that she felt comfortable with that to say, please don't do so. And, and so that, that piece of it again. And, and I will tell you, but she also, someone outed her on, online regardless, and she had to take down all of her social media and has uh, sort of gone and, and, you know, laid low for several days now because of the harassment she was receiving. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, um, to this point, we, we have not uttered her name. We won't utter her name. That's not something we want to do. We want to, again, I, I want to make clear, we re respect the assault uh, victims in entirety. There's been a number of instances in which we have uh, had stories like that and seen people dismissed from the team uh, quietly uh, and, and then charges brought up other times. We won't do that on this podcast and we want to protect her as well. So I'm glad you guys right. enjoy that same thing. Thank you for doing that, Alan. We're going to come back right after this. Uh, but first, a few messages. I am back with Alan Judd, Judd of the AJC talking about his article that he wrote, uh, talking about the uh, 11 or 12 uh, individuals that have been accused, uh, Adam Anderson, Jamal Jarrett, uh, and addressing those uh, abuse allegations from other people. Um, so Alan, I, the other question I had is reading your article, there were 11 other players uh, commented about uh, having these accusations uh, and brought about. Why not share their names and, and what information you had on those other, other players? Uh, some of that was just merely, it, it gets into there's a lot of detail. We don't have the space in a story, in a newspaper story, to go into every single one of those. But there were other cases. The ones we wrote about were probably the most, um, the most egregious cases. You know, the, the most serious cases. There was another one of a player who um, was accused of. He was charged. Uh, the charge was ultimately dropped for lack of prosecution by the DA. But he uh, videotaped himself having sex with a with a woman who had passed out from drinking. Uh, they didn't, strangely, they didn't charge him with sexual assault, even though the video shows that she had no idea what was happening. But uh, they, you know, he was charged. He stayed on the team for another year. Then he then he went into the transfer portal um, and left, and ended up kind of, I don't know, he ended up at a couple other other schools before. Yeah. Where you kind of petered out, but um, there were the others mostly were domestic violence cases. Um, some of those, again, we just you know, you don't want to get into the victims because they have situations. Some of those were charged, some of them, the, the women, uh, you know, 
didn't didn't chose not to press charges because they were in a relationship with the with the player. Uh, there was one player in particular. I think he had two different times that the same young woman char- called the police uh, when they were having um, you know situations, and, and uh, one of those resulted in charges. One did not, but uh, he there was you know police reports were written about it. Uh, there was another one where a player I think was. Uh, sort of stalking a, a woman he had, had some relationship with and was waiting outside her apartment with a gun. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's, it, and again, some of those end up in charges. Some of them don't. Um, that's, I think that's probably not uncommon for domestic violence cases. That's, you know, kind of the way that works. So yeah, that- yeah, we could have named them all because it's all public records, but we, yep. we just didn't. And, and you know, you can only go so deep in one story. We, you know, we may yeah. come back and name them all later. I don't, I don't know if yeah. it's necessary or not, but yeah. And I guess the question is, you're as you're describing all of this and the research and the understanding and the investigation into it, couldn't you say? And, and a case could be made as I'm hearing you talk about this. If there are these other instances, and if the detectives and and if all of this is there, doesn't this seem like an institutional cultural problem for the district attorney and police department rather than UGA football? Well, I think it's both. I mean, it's, 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 it is, you have to wonder um, in some of those cases, why, it, for instance, the case of the, of the player who, who videotaped himself having sex with a, with a woman blacked out drunk. Um, the, the DA did nothing for two and a half years. And then as the, as that district attorney was leaving office, dismissed that along with, you know, I don't know how many other cases, but, but a large number of other cases that, that they just had not prosecuted. Part of that was COVID. You know, it was a period of time where there was a huge backlog in the criminal justice system, uh, which probably still exists, but it was really bad, you know, from t- through 2020, 2021. And, you know, a lot of those kinds of cases just kind of got waylaid somewhere. But yeah, I mean, I think it, it's something that we're looking at. There, there's, there is, are real questions about, um, you know, why these things aren't done. I, I will tell you in the Adam Anderson case, um, he's been arrested two other times um, apart from the two rape cases during the, since the two rape cases, been arrested two other times for um, uh, in a domestic violence situation with a former girlfriend. One of those, I uh, tried to break into her apartment uh, during the middle of the night when she was there with her new boyfriend, uh, broke the window out, Got, he ended up hurting himself. And then the other one, he was arrested. Uh, apparently, he uh, assaulted her at a party that he, that he went that he found her at um, like four days after the first arrest. So, you know, he the, he but yet his bond hasn't been revoked. He's still, you know, he's still out on bond. So, um, you know, yeah, there are a lot of there. There are a lot of there are plenty of questions to go around to say the least. Yeah, and I guess, Alan, that's that's one of the things that's kind of infuriating with a, a lot of this process. There's blame all around, and there's completely, again, uh, this podcast stance is, again, we we listen to victims, we uh, trust victims, we want due process for them, we want actual justice, and actual justice means a conviction and no tampering on things and not having things get spilled out, because if it does happen, and it does seem, as we talk to more people on the ground, as we understand the football culture and the program, the number of uh, players that have been dismissed from this team, although not through a public accord, but through other 
other channels to say you're not welcome here in this program because of that uh, should give credibility to the players that are on this team and a few bad apples continue to crop up and you need to deal with them uh, appropriately so and and this appropriation is following uh, due process with it so that these women do feel safe uh, around UGA athletics and players and the coaching staff and all the like and there is certainly uh, blame to go around um, and and the cultural issues seem to be as you talk to more and more players and more and more people on the ground uh, the the positive side seem to far outweigh the negative side uh, and the investigation that you guys have keep keep going to try to figure out what is this stopping point that is uh, how, how do these things come and and, and so that's kind of where I leave the, the the final question as we look through all of these 11 12 allegations and and whatnot is what what should be Alan what should be done because unless I'm completely mistaken, you and I have the same amount of uh, sexual uh, uh, convictions on our record as Jamal Jarrett does. Um, And so we should be given the same due process ourselves as he is. And so I guess the question is, what what should be done about this? Have you, have you asked what is being done from Kirby Smart and UGA or what should oh, yeah. be done? We've asked many times, but, but, but let me back up a little bit, though, on the, the due process question. Due process is in the legal system. And he has no due process with yeah. the football team. He's, he is on that team at the pleasure of Kirby Smart. Absolutely. If, if Smart decides, if Coach Smart says, I don't want that kid around, he's not going to be around. You know, Absolutely. Mark Just Rick, like with Adam Anderson and a number of other people, they were dismissed. Yeah. yeah. Unceremonious. And Mark, Rick, Mark Rick just cut people, you know, yep. with or almost anything. It seemed like there yep. for a couple of years. And, uh, uh, and you know, some coaches do, some don't. But um, so it doesn't really require a conviction to decide. And, and in that particular case, not only was there's the sexual assault allegation, there's the out underage drinking with players. There's, you know, staying out, breaking curfew, sneaking out, the whole thing. It's like if you're on a job interview and that happened on your your weekend of your job interview, you probably wouldn't get hired. Uh, You know, any place I've ever worked, you would not have gotten hired. But, but, you know, I think the the biggest thing right now is Coach Smart has been really pretty much silent about all this. Now, you know, he's spoken publicly, I believe just the one time, maybe twice since since January, mm-hmm. from when the uh, the car crash happened, he um, he did say, you know, in response to a question about punishing players, he said, "Well, everybody wants to know the punishment. Well, the players know what it is, but then you keep having players getting pulled over, going to close to 100 miles an hour. Um, you know, just I mean, there was another one apparently a few days ago that we just just heard about in the last day or so." Um, you know, despite what happened in January, they're still doing it. So you have to, you know, then you think, well, is that punishment severe enough? Maybe he needs to, to, to crack down a little more. He's, you know, he doesn't, because they can hurt themselves, which is going to hurt the program, yes. or they can yes. hurt other people, which is really horrible too. Yes. Um, but, you know, I think this, the transparency would go a long way to know exactly what he's, what, what he does when these allegations come up and when these problems come up and, you know, how how he deals internally with players, I think, would give people who care about the university and who care about the football program a lot of comfort to know something actually is being done. Yeah, absolutely. And, and those of us who love the program and are close to it, um, it is frustrating. Kirby Smart is not very public. He's a very, 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 very private man. And a lot of things are handled in-house. That is, that is frustrating for a lot of people outside. And I suppose, again, uh, there's a piece of it to us 
that seems to be, uh, we do know those who have been dismissed and trying to protect those who maybe are in minor infractions. We know a number of players who left the team that could have themselves been brought up on charges. A, a young gentleman went out to the West Coast that probably himself, there was no sexual allegations, but there were definite uh, problems with teammates. Um, and, and Kirby Smart not wanting to have his character injured on the way out, even though something could have brought up. Now, that's not sexual allegations, and that is a different tier. Again, hear me on this podcast yeah. saying that is very, very, very serious. We should treat it with the utmost respect. Um, but it is frustrating, and, and Kirby is a, a silent, private person, and I think deliberately so. And so that transparency issue, uh, as well as many other uh, organizations, I'd love to know how Google charges me for half the things they charge me. Uh, and I still, to this day, have no clue how they charge me or Apple charges me for things I wish they would tell me. Um, he's Alan Judd of the AJC. His Twitter is right there, Alan Judd 3000 Go over, give him a follow. Alan, I know you got a deadline to get to. You've given us more than the time that I allotted you. Sure. So I appreciate you, sir, for doing that. This has been Locked On Bulldogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We will see you all later.